Hi, everyone. Welcome to White Coats of the Roundtable. My name is Mike Asbeck, and I'm joined, hopefully in a minute, by John McDonald. He had a, a great connection and then got booted off and is restarting, so he'll be joining us shortly. We are a healthcare podcast focused on career development, burnout prevention, and non-clinical career paths. Today, we've got a great episode. We're going to be talking about a, a topic that we have yet to tackle, career sabbaticals. And I'm really interested to hear about this. Uh, We've got a great guest to talk about this and give his perspective. But even within my own life, over the month of August, I've been thinking about it. I took have a couple vacations through the month of August. And I kept thinking to myself, I should just take the whole month off. My kids are home. It's great. There's so much high quality family time and opportunity to relax, at least in my clinic. The, the office is a little bit slower in August, so I this is already fresh on my mind, and I'm really excited to, to hear about it. But before we get into that, let me introduce our guest, and then we'll, we'll dive right into the topic. And as I said, hopefully John will join us. So today we have Shane Foley joining us, and Shane is a certified and full-time PA with 11 years of practice under his belt. He's worked in internal medicine, urgent care, and currently in family medicine. He's involved in PA education as an adjunct faculty member, preceptor, and mentor. And in an effort to expand his impact on the profession, he co-founded the PA Blueprint, whose mission is to provide career education to current and future PAs. They have worked with 35-plus PA programs across the country, and their work has been featured on the AAPA Career Central, as well as multiple PA-related podcasts and blogs. Shane has established himself as an important contributor to the PA profession through his teaching, writing, and online presence, and is passionate about moving the profession forward. Shane, welcome to the show. Mike, John, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I'm sure our audience is very disappointed that I gave the intro and gave Shane's bio because I just read it straight and didn't add any flair, didn't add any hyperbole. So it is disappointing because I am boring and uncreative, but maybe next time we have a guest on, you'll have to retake those duties. Yeah, there's probably 50% of the people, though, that roll their eyes when I do it. So like, what is this guy doing? This this isn't helpful. All right. Well, Shane, let's get into it. I, As I said earlier, I'm really excited to hear about this topic because it's something that's been fresh on my mind. And actually, a year ago, our first guest that we ever had on the podcast was uh, pharmacist Alex Barker. He talked about taking a three-month sabbatical when he left clinical work and he took a break. I think if I'm remembering correctly, John, he rented an RV and they did like a three-month trip across the country. And it just sounded like an incredible experience to reconnect with family, to take kind of a a little bit of a reset on his career. So this is something that I've been thinking about for a while. But before we get into discussion of career sabbaticals in healthcare, I'd love to just give you an opportunity to maybe expand on your bio, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, and tell us what you're doing over at PA Blueprint. Yeah, thanks. Um, Well, Mike, sounds like you're ready to go European here. Take the month of August off and go do something. Yeah, that sounds great. That's a good way to be, I think. So yeah, so a little bit about myself. Um, As it relates to sabbaticals, I am counting three that I've taken so far during my career. Um, Kind of funny on the timing here. Uh, Without saying too much, I'm currently in the planning stages for number four. If you want to talk about that over the course of this, you can. I just can't give I can't disclose too much information. So I've taken three sabbaticals um, and then just generally with my career, uh, as you said, 
mostly primary care work. I'm still liking clinical medicine, but um, want to get a little bit of a taste of other things. So I started the PA Blueprint with a former student of mine, Jordan Fisher. And what we're trying to do is fill in what we saw as a huge gap on education for PAs and other healthcare professionals, because, you know, we go to our programs, we learn all the clinical stuff, and then you sort of start your jobs historically without a lot of background on your retirement accounts and burnout and those sort of things. And you sort of try to figure it out as you go. But most of the time you're figuring it out as you're making the mistakes. And some of those mistakes take months and years to develop and can be really expensive. And so what we're trying to do is to do seamless education. We're calling it from program to practice and beyond as well. So we're actually working, as you said in my bio, with like 35 plus PA programs, introducing them to the career side of things, and then trying to coach, mentor through their first job, getting that job, and then beyond that as well. So that's what we aim to do. Um, And so far, it's been going really well. We've enjoyed a lot of what we're doing, working with a variety of folks, and um, definitely have a lot more traction recently with um, practicing PAs and other healthcare professionals. So that's that's been great. So yeah, so that's been a passion project. And I mean, I'll be frank here. I, I If I could do that full time, I would because I'm really, really enjoying it. It's interesting because I've actually been a fan of yours for a while and I love networking for this reason. We've talked about it in previous episodes, the power of networking. But When John and I first launched this project in early 2022, one of the reasons that we did it is we felt like there was this big void in career development resources for healthcare professionals. There's just an immense amount of opportunity to become a better clinician through CME and different avenues. But as you said, there's there's limited resources on how to negotiate a contract or how to find a non-clinical career path. And when we were looking and trying to kind of do market research and figure out who is out there and who has a voice, your company, the PA Blueprint, was one of the few that we found. And I've really enjoyed your content even from the start when I first discovered you in 2022 as we were kind of prepping and figuring out, you know, what area we could fit this show and and help kind of fill that void that maybe we felt was there. So it's been really exciting over the past year as we've been uh, maybe swimming in the same stream or both identifying a, a need that we're trying to fill. And uh, it's been kind of fun to see that happen in parallel. So it's really exciting to also connect with you and finally have you on and maybe uh, join forces to some degree to discuss this topic today. I've got a question, actually. Um, so when you first started this with your student, was the idea that you wanted to educate in some aspect, but didn't really know how or what you wanted to do? Um, and then you kind of narrowed it down to career oriented. Um, partly, uh, yeah. So been doing uh, PA education through precepting and adjunct faculty work now for about seven years. So been doing that piece. I enjoy the ability to just sort of jump in, deliver a lecture and then get out. You know, my life has only so much room for bureaucracies. So I don't really want to get into a PA program where I'm, ex- you know, changing, exchanging my current with clinical practice for another. And so it allows us to kind of dance more freely um, there. So that was sort of natural, but the clinical medicine side of things, I feel like is very saturated. Lots of, I mean, the, the programs themselves are doing a great job, most of them, but also there are a lot of other companies 
that are filling in some of those gaps as well. So we kind of looked at that and said, that's not the piece, but also where we are most passionate about, which is the career side, trying to give people you know, education, empower them to have the careers that they want. We, both Jordan Fisher and myself, I mean, we're not wanting a linear path from graduation to retirement. You know, we, we, we can't see ourselves doing head down 30 years, hit that nine to five, you know, four or five days a week. And so we were trying to figure that out for ourselves and like, well, we can reproduce this and we can give this information. Um, and so we had our inspirations to, you know, our, our resources, our inspirations. And we thought we could maybe bring that to the masses and hopefully open people's eyes. And as I said, empower them to take control of their career and make it what they want. You know, the kind of like concept of, I think it's like Tim Ferriss who originally introduced lifestyle design and we're looking at like career design. Um, you know, it's part of life, but, you know, specifically related to the career. You know, that's, I, that's really where we went. Cause when I, we started, I, I wanted to do something. We wanted to educate in some sort of way. Mike suggested a podcast and immediately I was thinking, oh, we're going to, we could do drug education. We could do updates on guidelines. We could do, you know, even just evaluate uh, New England Journal of Medicine, whatever it was. And Mike's like, no, we, we don't need to do that. Um, there's plenty of that out there. Let's do something else. And so this came up more, uh, how to handle work-life balance and burnout and career development. And surprising to me, because I hadn't done that research yet, there's a lot of companies out there that do that in a general sense. So you could take the same uh, packaged information to the food industry, to technology, to manufacturing, anything, and it would just be general information. There is not a lot out there for uh, the practitioner side or the healthcare side. And who really needs it more following post-COVID than than those folks who are on the front line. So we kind of went at a different angles, but ended up in the same in the same spot, recognizing there's a lot of people out there, including our colleagues, who want something better for their life. So uh, hats off to you guys for starting that off. Yeah, and well, thanks for that pat on the back. I'm gonna then just pat you guys on the back for doing a podcast. Basically, the podcast we had thought about a while ago, maybe wanting to do. You guys are doing a way better job than we would have ever done. So I appreciate it. It's like whatever I'm thinking about, you've got a podcast episode, you know, to for me to listen to. So your content has been really great. And it's been one of the few where I'm just really wanting to digest what you guys have. And I find it to be very thought provoking, which is really great as well. You ask big, big questions, you give great information. So again, as as I said before, really happy to be a part of the podcast today. Tell me a little bit about your journey with sabbaticals and why this is a topic that is of interest and of passion to you. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with the passion piece, um, which is just going back a little bit to what I said a couple minutes ago of not wanting to just do that linear um, path um, to retirement. So I wanted to look a little differently and, you know, see examples all around of folks who do just that. You know, mostly we see it more in the generation um, ahead of us, but head down 35 years at the same job, sort of get to those quote unquote golden years that aren't quite as golden as they thought they might be, whether it's physical ailments or just lack of motivation or hard time with their identity. So, you know, we started with, um, well, I started with the idea and fortunately my wife and family are on board with just, you know, every few years having like interval sabbaticals. 
um, right from the jump after PA school. And sort of, you know, that was our way to think about having sort of one foot into the sort of everyday life, um, normal stuff, and then, but still having our ability to live our lives now. And so we think about that in regards to like investment. Um, and we could talk about the financial piece and how to afford them if you want during this conversation. But just broadly speaking, you know, we're investing that time in ourselves also while we're young and while our child is young and not yet in school. So there are a lot of things in which are motivating us to do these things now. And I mean, I'm not going to lie, the pandemic here, which is still going on, but a different, you know, now endemic era, uh, opened my eyes to a lot. I mean, a lot of healthcare workers, um, lost their lives, you know, even healthy people in the beginning. And so it was eye-opening to have our worlds just sort of collapse upon us. People lose their jobs. So you just don't know what's coming. Um, I'd tack on climate change as a motivator as well to sort of get out there and, and live our lives now. Um, so sorry, I, ta- I went at the passion piece because that's the piece I feel like I could speak up. There was another part to that question. For those of you listening, you might be hearing what he's saying, uh, Shane's saying, and think, I work in the health system. How in the world would I ever take a month off of work? Like, I would lose my job. My boss would never say okay to that. Like, what about those folks who are in a system that can't just make a decision? Maybe they're not their own business owner or entrepreneur. What about those? Yes. Unfortunately, not a lot of employers or organizations offer sabbatical. So it's something you kind of have to develop, take. Your worst case scenario is that you can't return to the job if you want it. But, um, you know, with that said, a lot of us don't stay in the same job for 10, 20 years. So anytime you are changing jobs is an organic opportunity to take a sabbatical. I think that's just naturally baked in. That really makes the most sense for us um, as healthcare workers. But even if you're within your job, you never know till you try. I mean, you can look for precedents within your organization. Uh, you potentially can pull the FMLA card and have them sort of hold your job, you know, reference and not not saying be fraudulent, but reference burnout, mental health issues, whatever it is you need to recover from or or what that might be. So there are ways to sort of hold your position if you so choose. Um, previously, we've sort of kept one foot in the door with our employers and said, maybe we will turn, maybe we won't. If you have a job, that would be great. Um, or you can just burn the boats and then off you go and you try to just, you know, re-entry with as much grace as possible. When I was in the healthcare system where, where I'm in Rochester, the inpatient had the uh, ability to do seven on, seven off for some folks. And I can't tell you how many of those folks, they're mostly overnight people, that they would take a week or maybe two off on their vacation. So only using five to 10 days of their vacation, but it would have a week on, other, on either side of that. So they would have up to sometimes seven, eight weeks of vacation just using two and just not using all of their vacation time, just saying, you know what, we're not going to pay me for this time. It's not vacation. It's not, it's just, I'm taking a week out. Um, and that's probably where you come into play too with the financial side is planning for that week where you're not getting paid uh, to still make this work. So anybody who's doing those 12 hour shifts or those week on week offs, I mean, it, it might be something you can just do without even having to 
play around with HR or, or your, uh, your management. Yeah, that sort of hospitalist type schedule is probably the most conducive to doing this where it's not, you're not really doing much different other than just timing it right with, with the time you have off. But for the rest of us, it's, you know, asking for an extended, extended time. I don't know there's an official definition for a sabbatical, but in my head, you know, I think at bare minimum a month, but a lot of, you know, what out there for data on burnout and recovery, like severe burnout, it's usually like three months plus that it takes. So that's more so of how I'm, I'm thinking about, I think like, you know, up to three months is just an extended vacation, uh, and a sabbatical where you can really separate yourself from your, from your work and get into something else, perhaps travel or otherwise. Can you speak more to that then? Uh, what, what do you do in the three months? Cause I'm sure with three under your belt, you, you probably have a, a, a nice little formula that you work with saying, this is how I'm going to take this time and this is how I'm going to plan. Yeah. Are you saying up to three months or beyond three months? Yeah. Like three months plus when it, and what you would define as a sabbatical rather than an extended vacation. Yeah. So the planning part is part of the fun. I need to throw that out there and, and reframe that for people. I think people get overwhelmed. It's a lot. Um, again, I am currently working on number four and planning and whoa, it's, I forget how much there is, but it's also really exciting and really fun. So the planning does take a while. So usually we're giving ourselves a long sort of on-ramp to, to get to that point. And there are a lot of different aspects of our life that we need to, we need to figure out. Um, and then from there, it's whatever you want it to be. I mean, we usually, you know, the way I like to put it is dream it, right? Dream about it. What would you want to do optimally if you, there are no restrictions financially or otherwise, but then sort of take a life inventory. Who do you have, right? So for me, it's myself, my wife, 15 month old and a dog. So, and then reconcile those, those things to find sort of what the reality probably is. So for us, our dream is to go live in Europe for six to 12 months. That's optimally what we would do. We'd do one month in different locations. We'd move around, do side trips here or there. Now, <laughs> the reality, the inventory piece, um, the reality check is we have a dog who's about 13. She's sweet. We love her. Um, she's not going anywhere soon that we can tell, and she would not survive a transatlantic flight. So that is likely out. So now we're reconciling those two things to have as much fun as we can. Currently looks like it'd probably be us in a pickup or SUV and a travel trailer picking locations we want throughout North America. Anyway, so that's that's kind of the difference there. We, we can dream up whatever we want, but sometimes that's just not the reality. Um, but if you have less obligations, um, you know, then it's easier for you to go do whatever you want to do, which includes a staycation for some people, just staying where they are. That'll probably minimize the financial uh, aspect to it and just exploring where you live. But guess what? You don't have to go to work. So that's not going to get in the way of that. So you can learn a hobby. You can you know, learn the guitar. You can read a lot. You can pick up a new skill, get into real estate investing, whatever. I mean, that's the beauty of it. It's just long enough so you can actually dive deep into these things so you can re recover in that those first three months from whatever burnout you're experiencing and but then get into something else and really go all in on it versus what happens you know typical american vacation which is one to two weeks we go somewhere we go hard when we're there right um many of us will 
not sleep as well as we should. And we might have some extra drinks by the pool. And then you get back and you're exhausted. So you did zero burnout recovery because you're more exhausted. So sabbatical is the opposite. I, I had one drink last night with a friend uh, down the street. We were just on his back porch. I am getting old, Shane. <laughs> I was so tired after that one yeah. drink. So yeah, that those days are gone. I'm Mike, I'm curious to know where your head is at in this because you and I usually ant- land on different sides of, I would say different sides, but just quite different on valuing work and that being a part of life. What what do you think about sabbaticals um, taking extended time and how that might impact your employer or your your career? Yeah, it's interesting. I think uh, my answer is probably evolving as I get older, as my kids are getting older, and I'm recognizing that this window of time where they're all home, where they all like to spend time with mom and dad, is very limited. I, John, I think you're right. I do value the role of work in my life. I see my work as something that really brings purpose. It it gives me, you know, a feeling of a higher calling and I enjoy it. You know, this podcast is work and yet it's very much a hobby for us as well. So I think it is something where I enjoy what I do. I've never really felt burnt out in my job, but the flip side to that is work still comes at a cost and there's still sacrifice and there's things in my life that, um, you know, I would love to do more of that. I don't want to always put off. We talked in a previous episode about how 2023 has been a year where there's been some people uh, in our family since John and I are, John's married to a relative, so we're quasi related, but we've, you know, lost people that we weren't expecting. And that's, you know, made me reframe things and think about it where tomorrow's not guaranteed. And I want to make sure that I'm never putting off things, you know, personally, such as going out West and doing all the national parks and you know, going on a big road trip with the family, things like that are not getting put off to achieve these little career goals that in the long run probably don't matter. But Shane, I'd love to shift and talk as we're talking about my view of things where maybe I am a little bit more work focused or more practical. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how can people plan for this from a financial perspective? I think it's something like 70% of Americans can't even foot a thousand dollar unexpected bill. And it always blows my mind and off air we before we came on Shane and I were talking about the importance of financial literacy and healthcare and just our efforts and desires to maybe work on that and improve financial understanding and it blows my mind when we have conversations with healthcare professionals of uh, people that work in relatively high income fields you know a lot of our professions are six figure salaries that are living paycheck to paycheck or even struggling to make ends meet in in part that may be because of crushing student loans. So it's not all, you know, just Starbucks lattes and avocado toast. It may be legitimate reasons, housing costs, education. But I'd love to get your thoughts on how someone who maybe is listening to this and says, yeah, I'd love to take a month off, but I can't even pay my bills right now. How do you plan for this? How far out do you need to be thinking about it? And what kind of you know expenses are you saving up for in preparation for the sabbatical to ensure that you can pull it off without um, worsening your financial position? Yeah, thank you for um, you know referencing that statistic too, because at this point I don't remember what the numbers are, so I always just say there's a lot of people who don't have a lot of money for an emergency. That's that's what I've whittled it down to. So thank you for that. Um, but that is true. We are higher earners, but that doesn't mean that because of that. We are saving, investing a lot of money because, as you said, student loan debt is crushing and other debt could be crushing as well. So, 
I mean, for the most part, it's a slow and steady save. Or if we can, you know, hopefully not sound too financial here, but just reallocate your assets. So hopefully, you know, folks listening to this are putting money into their 401k and hopefully they're doing so at a good percentage. But you could maybe if you're doing 15%, cut down to 10% and put that that difference into a like a high yield savings account, something like that to start and just let it trickle in any extra income that you may have. And it may sound trivial, but you know, if you get money for your birthday that you really don't need or whatever, then that counts. Just put it towards that. Um, so there are ways to sort of just slowly squirrel away some money, you know, under the uh, digital mattress for a little while. And I would recommend people consider giving themselves six to 12 months or longer if that's what you're going to need. But um, you're just going to sort of slowly fund that. So that's sort of the like saving piece. So again, just moving money around, putting it in different buckets. We have, you know, kind of think about it as our sabbatical bucket. And most years we are just doing all the investing and whatnot, but now we're getting semi close to a sabbatical. So that sabbatical bucket is more of a priority. Um, in regards to how much, I mean, depends on how long you're going for, but it's sort of a rough rough estimate would be take your annual spending for a year and then just take the equivalent of the time that you're going to go for. So if it's, if you spend $50,000 a year, you figured out you're going for six months, let's estimate you'll need $25,000. And I'd say, give yourself some wiggle room as well for re-entry. Cause if you find a new place to live down, you know, security deposits, those sort of things. The other side is, so that's the sort of saving, investing, preparing, you know, have your big pot to spend down. The other side is minimizing the expenses. And so you can do that in how you go about your sabbatical. I mentioned a staycation or, you know, buy a front an RV and then costs after that to stay in campgrounds and, um, you know, boondock it are pretty low. So that would be an option or find countries to go live in. You know, example would be Thailand that are relatively inexpensive. So things like that, you can sort of you know, hack sabbaticals. People love that term, hacking. Um, so you could do that, but you could also have some sort of income stream as well, and that would offset things. So whether that's a side hustle um, or something else that you just have coming in for you that you can spend minimal time on, then that also would help as well. For instance, we're just kind of loosely looking at real estate. Maybe we could get a property for an Airbnb it, and that would allow us, you know, some work, but maybe some income to offset our costs. So yeah, so those are two ways I'd recommend looking at it both, you know, how much to save, but how little to spend um, during the sabbatical. And I think with those two things combined, having just some basic financial knowledge, most healthcare workers should be able to afford their version of a sabbatical. And it may just be the three month or it could be, could be longer. So for those who don't really know how to track their own finances, do you have an idea as to software or even just manually Excel spreadsheets? What would you recommend people start tracking to see how much they're spending or what their habits look like uh, financially? Yeah, I mean, you could meet with a financial advisor. It's not something you have to do. They would do all that for you. Um, the thing that I use is uh, Personal Capital, which is now Empower. Um, but there are other ones that are out there um, that are also free. 
And it's just an easy way to keep track of your spending with your credit cards and your, you know, your saving, your checking account, your student loan. So it just kind of pulls everything in together unless you see it visually, lets you track your spending. So versus creating a spreadsheet, um, you know, I think that's a lot of legwork. So if, you know, if you feel comfortable with giving all that information to a company such as, you know, personal capital or, or empower, then that's the easier way to do it. I would imagine about 80% of the people listening to the podcast are type A and would, uh, I wouldn't say love to do an Excel spreadsheet, but naturally would just, uh, the software stinks. I'm going to make my own software, yeah. uh, essentially. But I, I do want to mirror what you're saying, echo it, uh, by saying that I did all that. I've done multiple spreadsheets, you know, got real crazy with it, even used mint.com. Mint was the, uh, the first software I ever used. Uh, but it wasn't until I saw and met with a financial advisor that the pieces really came together because I I was able to see the big picture and I had a great idea of how to go about it. But the confidence that a financial advisor conversation gave me, uh, the peace of mind it gave me to say like, no, this person also is looking at it from a an objective point of view and whether it be good news or bad news, just like going to the doctor, you get the real picture of what's happening here. Uh, so I, again, echoing what you say, financial advisor, I would say if you haven't at least talked to one, uh, go find somebody. We can recommend uh, a couple folks too if you want to reach out to us. Uh, but yeah, I, you can do all the planning you want, but until you make peace with where you're at, it might be difficult to do so. I'd, I'd like to put a plug in too that most credit cards these days, you can go on to your account online and it'll actually break down your spending categories. And even there, if, if it sounds overwhelming to do an Excel sheet, which it is, if it's even sounds like it's overwhelming to try and find an app and connect your cards and, and do analysis that way. If budgeting sounds like too much, you can just go onto the credit card and look because sometimes that's really informative. We uh, We've been at our house, we've been trying to tighten things up a little bit and it was a little bit mind-blowing when we saw how many Amazon purchases we had uh Starbucks you know probably I've put you know uh Howard Schultz's kids through college at this point because I have a Starbucks addiction and I'm not the person that's going to sit here and say don't get Starbucks because I think those little everyday luxuries actually have a really positive and big impact in our mentality and our mindset so if you're getting Starbucks every day and you're getting an eight dollar drink well, maybe you cut it down to two or three days a week and you find a $3 drink that might be you know, similar in the sense that it gives you that little psychological lift of, hey, I've, I've worked hard today. I deserve a coffee. This is my little reward to myself. But also over the course of a year, those little changes can make a big difference. And I think just looking at the credit card even sometimes can point out some spending categories that maybe are out of line with what you perceive them to be. You triggered me, Mike. Are you a Starbucks addict as well? No, no, I'm not a Starbucks addict, but talking about coffee and Shane, I'd like, I love your take on this. Some coffee? I'm sure you've seen, well, I mean, listen, this is my second latte of the day. I got Mike into using the Breville, oh, yeah. you know, steaming the milk and all that. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to uh, kick at coffee. What both, what I hear both of you saying is let's reduce our standard of living Let's stop keeping up with the Joneses and find out what truly makes you happy. And that's where your finances go. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Um, I mean, I like the concept of living your your rich life. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that concept. That's Ramit. I always butcher his last name. Seti, S-E-T-H-I. But that's a concept um, of his, which is, you know, define what your rich life is, but do the right things, save, invest, and then the things you don't care about, don't spend money on. And then the things you do care about or get excited about, and if that's a coffee, then that's a coffee. Um, and that's great. I mean, that's totally fine. But if you're doing all the other right things, it's not going to matter as much. And if it makes you happy, that's spot on, spot on perfect. Um, but yeah, it, the everyday spending is where you can sort of shift things around. And like I said, give yourself a nice long on-ramp before you're going to consider a sabbatical. I think a lot of us dream, especially on our hardest days at work, that we're just going to quit. We're going to drive off into the sun and it's going to be this amazing thing. We're going to get a camper van. Off we go. We're going to be Instagram uh, influencers and that's going to be our life. Um, but that is just not going to be the case for most of us. It's just not reality. Um, I'm a model on Instagram, <laughs> so that it's a reality. Fair. fair. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so moving those everyday expenses around, like you said, and that, that, and that is something where you can just sort of make a slow trickle towards your savings, towards a sabbatical. So I'd love to maybe summarize and just kind of boil this down to some key points. And then Shane, I'm going to kick back to you just to make sure there's nothing else that we wanted to chat on regarding sabbaticals. But if I were to, to kind of boil this down to next steps, I would say step one is plan. This is not a sabbatical is not something that we should be doing impulsively or on a whim. I think this is not something where you have a really bad day at work or a really bad week at work and you say, you know what, I'm taking six weeks off, but rather something that should be very carefully thought out and intentional. And with that, discussing it with your employer, figuring out, can they give you a leave of absence? Will they hold your job? Is this something where you do have to go into it knowing that you may be burning the ships, um, which I think in healthcare is not a bad thing. It's a we, we work in an in-demand career where most of us probably can find other jobs rather quickly. And in my mind, if you're considering a sabbatical, there's probably some level of burnout or, or need for a change of scenery anyway. So I, I think don't be afraid of the idea of burning the ships, but plan. Think ahead. I think step two would be to discuss and figure out the logistics and make sure that your sabbatical is not some pie in the sky idea of being an Instagram model, but rather something that's realistic, that it can be fit into your budget, fit into your priorities, but also make sure that the sabbatical is not going to be you just sitting at home watching Netflix for three months, because as the the mental health clinician on the show, that's not going to be good for you. That's not going to help your burnout. So make sure that the sabbatical has a purpose, that there's achievable goals within the sabbatical. And lastly, plan for it financially. Make sure that you have a sinking fund. Make sure that your your financial house is in order so that a sabbatical does not put you in a worse financial position. If you take a sabbatical and then you come back and you're three months behind on the mortgage and your student loans are going into default, I don't think the sabbatical is going to achieve what you hope it will. So I think that's kind of where I would leave it, Shane. Those are the three takeaways that I had today. But I wanted to summarize and then give you an opportunity to to maybe add any final thoughts on sabbaticals. Yeah, no, those are those are perfect. Those are spot on. So thank you for that. Um, the only other thing that I just wanted to mention was in your planning, have a contingency plan as well. Um, those emergencies that may pop up. Um, so anything for worst case scenarios, injury, death to a family member, 
um, you know, those sort of things. Like, how will you adjust your plans? Will they be done? And, you know, if you're across the country, how does it look to get one of you back home for services if you was a family member, things like that? Or if you don't have health insurance, what happens? How are you going to plan for an injury or an illness? How does that look? How will you absorb that? Um, so it's good not to just see all the positives. That's great. Keep dreaming. I would encourage you to do that. But also, let's let's be rooted in reality. Um, let's make sure that you're thinking about those contingencies as well. So Shane, thank you for coming on. This was such a fascinating topic, and it sounds like there may be more opportunity to even deeper in it because I, I think we hit on a something that, especially for Gen Z, I'm seeing it more and more where, you know, taking gap years after graduating from college or just taking time away from work, I think is becoming a, a more accepted thing with these younger generations. <laughs> I'm making myself sound old, but I think this is something that will continue to maybe grow in acceptance, but also with more and more interest. But before we let you go, it sounds like you've listened to enough of these episodes. You know, we always like to finish with personal items. You were worried about John's thumb. So that's fantastic. Made me laugh. Would you like to go first or would you like to defer to one of us? Let me defer for now and cook up what I think I would like to share. John is never, uh, you know, lacking a personal item. So, John, what do you got for us? Yeah, I live in the gray, guys. I'm I'm all about sabbaticals because I've got every hobby under the sun that I want to do, and that's a little that's a little tilt tilt like tilt of the hat to ADHD. Um, this episode brought to you by ADHD everywhere. Uh, I've got more hobbies than I can shake a, a fist at. So, right now, I spend a lot of time in my barn. Um, I will post a picture of the barn at some point so you guys can see it. But our house was built in the late 1830s and uh, the barn was here before that. So you go in there. I mean, these beams are this thick. Uh, it's They're humongous beans. Be beans? I said beans. Uh, and so I spent a lot of time in there cleaning it up and doing woodworking. However, I have taken a little bit of a break from using wood carving tools uh, until I can grow up a little bit and my father lets me touch them again. Uh, so I'm trying to make the barn into an area that I like to go sit and hang out in. So Carolyn, my wife, bought me uh, last Christmas one of those. She made a TikTok pur purchase. You ever seen those those mini projectors like yellow and white? And they always they put them in your bed and like put them on the shine on the ceiling. Well, she got one for me and it will work in the bar. And so I set it up in there and you, cause what I usually do when I do work out there is I'll have a, uh, a show playing in my ear, my earbuds, my, my AirPods, and I won't even be watching the show. I'll be listening to it. Like it's a radio show program and like it's NPR. Uh, and I'll look over and every once in a while, I'll see a picture of the cartoon, like, Oh, okay. That's what's going on. No longer. Because now I got a subpar projector to uh, shine it on the wall for me. So it's just made my hobbies a little bit more um, all-encompassing and time ceases to exist until my wife calls and says, all right, so I'll go next. So we are gearing up. I think I may have talked about it in a previous episode, but we're going to the Outer Banks. We rented a house for a week and we're going with my wife's family. We did it last year and it was so much fun that we're doing it again. And... I don't know if I've had an, a vacation in recent memory where I've had such high expectations going into it. 
And it's such a fascinating thing because I am not a beach guy. We've talked about it on the show many times. I, I like to go on vacation where, you know, I push myself to exhaustion and try and climb and hike as much as I can. And I'm very experientially driven that way. So the idea of going to the beach and just doing nothing sounded horrible. Last year, I was I was excited for the time off. I was excited to spend time with family, but not necessarily excited about going to the beach. And it was incredible. It was so nice to just sit as we're talking about sabbaticals, sit and read a book and do nothing, have no agenda, go to the beach in the morning, then just lay by the pool at night and then cook hot dogs for dinner every night. And it was just the pace and the rhythm was, it felt like a, a completely foreign, different world. So now knowing last year that it was wonderful, going into this year, I am like, I am ready. I am all charged up in part because I know that just laying at the beach for a week is really relaxing and enjoyable. But this year we have no kids that take naps. We have nobody in diapers. Everybody is generally pretty self-sufficient. Everybody sleeps through the night. So I'm really excited not only to have some vacation, but also maybe read some books, maybe actually get to sleep, maybe get to have a couple drinks by the pool and have my kids also have a good vacation, but not need my wife and I to always be parenting per se, but rather just be monitoring and supervising. So very excited for my little one week sabbatical. So originally, so on Labor Day weekend, we were going to go and had tickets to the band Camp. I don't know if you know Camp at all. Love Camp. Um, call me Camp. Um, but love them and wanted to go see them. Had tickets to Portland, Maine. And anyway, that's a place we used to live. So there's a lot of nostalgia there as well. But in the end, it wasn't really working for a variety of reasons. And for some reason, it just felt like Eh, we're excited to go to camp, but not excited to go to Portland and prices were astronomical. So sort of later in the game here, we made the choice to go do something we just did a couple weeks ago, but do it better. Um, so we are going back to the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont. There's a an area called the Kingdom Trails. Well, East Burke is the town, but the Kingdom Trails are, you know, world class mountain bike trails. And we like the mountain bike. It's one of the activities we picked up since we moved here to Vermont. And so we're now going to be trailside this time. So we went from, you know, this concert that sounded amazing. And I was pulling that birthday card saying, well, we're going for my birthday to actually coming up with this wonderful compromise in which now my wife is more on board and excited. And we're going to go mountain bike and hang out and enjoy some of uh, Vermont's craft beers and just, just be for a little bit. And our little guy and our dog will join us and it's going to be wonderful. So we've, uh, we're way more excited about this coming up. So anyway, sounds better than a barn. One of our, uh, you know, pipe dreams is to do like a white coats of the round table retreat because we both love to do outdoorsy activities. We talked about it. We went camping last weekend and, and talked about that. So there you go. I, uh, I actually, one of my goals is to do something like that and do like rock climbing or hiking or winter mountaineering, and then have it be a big group event with healthcare professionals that are looking to unplug and get away. So maybe we do something in the in the Green Mountains with uh, mountain biking. Yeah, that sounds that sounds excellent. I think uh, you know I've thought about that as well, and I think there definitely is something to that. So wonderful idea, and um, yeah, keep me on your short list to to chat about. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. As always, we're White Coats of the Round Table with John and Mike. Shane, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your knowledge. Everyone can find Shane at the pablueprint.com. 
And Shane, I know you're also on LinkedIn, and I believe you're pretty active on Facebook and Instagram too, if I'm remembering correctly. Am I missing any of your handles for people to find you? No, that's more than enough right there. And you named the primary ones, which are our website and LinkedIn, and we we dabble on, on the gram too. And Facebook, it exists, but I'll be honest, we don't do much with it. Thank you guys. Check out Shane. He's doing some great work. His, his uh, PA Blueprint company is really doing a lot of work in the educational space and is good not just for PAs, but all healthcare professionals. Otherwise, we're White Coats of the Round Table. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing, even leave us a review. If you don't like what you hear, definitely don't review us. Until next week, this is Mike, John, Shane. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.